Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. We're beginning in verse 18, which is right after the feeding of the 5,000. And we're going to read through verse 36. Luke 9, 18 through 36. This is God's Word. Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, The Christ of God. Jesus warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. 
When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Luke gives us a streamlined account of these two key events. Um, You can find more details in other Gospels, including Matthew. But when Jesus was praying, he asked his disciples, who do the crowds say that I am? What do the people say? Now, was this because Jesus was like a lot of folks wanting to know how many likes he had and how many followers on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram and all those other social media accounts? Do you think Jesus was really into that? Jesus had such large crowds that followed him that he frequently had to find ways of getting away from the crowd. Jesus wasn't trying to gauge his popularity in order to make himself feel better. Jesus was bringing into focus an absolutely critical thing for not just his disciples then, but for his disciples now. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? What are you going to do with Jesus? What do you believe personally? Well, I've always heard this. Well, no, that isn't the question. What do you believe? What do you say? What will you say in your heart of hearts? What will you say when you are out there in public? Are you going to be ashamed of him? Are you going to be afraid to speak up and share the good news that God is offering salvation to all who will put their trust in Jesus? We've got the best news on the planet, the best news in history. And there are people who need to know. So I don't mean you have to just walk around with a sandwich board over you that says repent and on the back, for God so loved the world. You don't have to do that. But as you build relationships with people, you can steer the conversation toward the fact that our only hope is not in a political party or a politician. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can say. He's our only hope. Thank you for tuning in to Abiding in Christ. This radio broadcast is brought to you from the campus of Wares Valley Ranch. The ranch is a home and school for kids that God allowed my wife and I to start in 1991. And through the years, children from all over the country in various crisis situations have found a safe haven at the ranch. While here, they learn about a Heavenly Father who loved them so much that He sent Jesus to save them. If you would like to join in supporting this ministry, but you're thinking, what can I do? Well, consider joining a growing group of people who've made a commitment to support these kids by leaving a gift to Wares Valley Ranch in their will. In doing so, you'll become a member of what we're calling Legacy 145. You can learn more at wvr.org. Just click on the icon that says Legacy 145. Because Psalm 145 says, One generation 
will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. That's what Legacy 145 is all about. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And is holding out his hand So, Jesus said to them, Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. Now, you read the other accounts, Jesus told him, you're blessed because you didn't figure that out yourself. Your heavenly Father has revealed this to you. And folks, you and I need to understand that as well. We can proclaim the truth and proclaim the truth and proclaim the truth and live a life that backs it up. But unless God takes the blinders off of a person's eyes, they're not going to see the truth. Unless God changes the heart of stone into a heart of flesh, they're not going to trust Jesus. And you and I need to know that. That's why it's not our responsibility to convert anybody. It is our responsibility to proclaim the truth and to live a life that backs it up. Live in a way that makes the good news believable. If we're talking about God loving people and we don't, we don't have credibility. If we're talking about God's compassion on folks and we're cruel and trying to be sure we get every dime out of the business deal, that's your goal. If that's your measuring stick, if that's your aim, you are not going to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. You are going to undermine your witness. If your goal is to do the will of the Father and you're trusting Him to take care of you, then you are blessed, and you will find that that road is narrow, but it leads to life. So, Jesus asked them, who do you say I am? Peter answers, the Christ of God. And Jesus told them not to spread that word right now. It was not the right time. And here's why. Verse 22. He said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Again, Jesus was telling them this is the first of several explicit declarations from Jesus to his disciples about what was going to happen. When Jesus said this, his disciples didn't get it. They didn't say, oh, and then start thinking and living in light of that. They had no idea what he was talking about. In fact, if you read the more detailed account, Peter, who had just confessed that Jesus is the Christ, rebukes Jesus when he says this. He didn't believe it. He didn't want to believe it. They were counting on Jesus to bring in a time of lower taxes, prosperity for them, freedom from Rome. It was all going to be good. The Jews would be in a favored position in the whole world again, and it was just going to be great. Jesus says that's not what's about to happen. And so even though Jesus was clear, they didn't want to believe it. You and I need to be very clear about what it costs to be a Christian and about what lies ahead for us if we're serious about obedience. The Bible says, don't you know that 
All who would live godly in Christ Jesus must suffer persecution. If you back away from doing what God says every time it gets costly, you're not a follower of Jesus. If you say, mm -mm, no, that would, that would get me in trouble. No, um, <laughs> golly, I would be so unpopular. If your goal is to be liked and comfortable, you're on your way to hell. And you need to know that. Say, so, well, I'd like to be comfortable and popular. Oh, okay. But if that's the goal, well, yeah, that's kind of my goal. I was hoping the reason I'm studying hard is in order to do well, you know, get a good job, make good money, live comfortably. Well, then you're on a broad road. Jesus said you can't serve God and money. You can have money. God has blessed me beyond anything I ever expected. But that was never my goal. I took pay cut and then God blessed. And I took pay cut and God blessed. And I took pay cut and God blessed. Over and over. When my wife and I came here to start the ranch, it was raw land and I took a 50% pay cut to come here. And there was no guarantee that it was going to keep coming in. Why did we do it? Because God told us to. You do what God tells you. You obey him because he's king of kings and lord of lords. He's the boss. He's the owner. He bought me at the cross. So there isn't anything I've got that doesn't belong to him. So Jesus says to them, this is what's going to happen to me. But he doesn't stop there. He says, if anyone would come after me, not just to some, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Jesus is headed for the cross, and he says, if you want to follow me, it's going to involve a cross for you too. You've got to die to yourself. What does that mean? I'm supposed to harm myself? No. You're supposed to say no to your fleshly desires, to sinful desires, and you're supposed to say yes to whatever he says in his word. He says, tell the truth. Well, if I tell the truth, I might be embarrassed. Tell the truth. Well, if I tell the truth, I might get in trouble. Tell the truth. Well, if I tell the truth, I might not get as good a grade. Tell the truth. It might cost me a friendship. Tell the truth. You've got to be willing to die to self, and it's not a one-time experience. Daily, he says. Daily. David Jeremiah said years ago, you know, the most difficult thing about the Christian life is it's so daily. You see, a lot of us want to just kind of resolve the thing. Okay, I prayed the prayer, I walked the aisle, I got wet all over in front of other people. And uh, so now I guess I'm pretty much done. I can go back and do whatever I want. No. Every day we need to be dying to self and asking God's Spirit to fill us and live his life through us. So, Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very soul? 
If anyone's ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of his Father and of the holy angels. Jesus says, even though he's going to die, he's going to be brought back to life, and one day he's going to return, and when he does, all of us are going to stand before him. We need to know what's coming. Jesus is coming. And when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels, you and I do not want him to be ashamed of us. And he says, therefore, I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Wow. What, what, what is he referring to? Did Jesus think that the second coming was going to be shortly? No. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. They saw Jesus in his glory as a foretaste of what is coming. Jesus, in this context, reveals who he is. Only three of the disciples were there with him. And they, because he was up there on the mountain, uh, and they'd been with Jesus on the mountain before, and he tended to pray a lot. And sometimes it was hard for them to stay awake. They were real sleepy. It'd been a long day. Jesus had already done a bunch of other stuff. Now he's up on a mountain. He does this a lot. You know, guys, let's just kind of take a nap, shall we? We need our energy. Let's get some rest. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins to shine like the sun at noon. Can't even look without squinting. The light was so bright. And in that context, there are two other guys who show up. And it turns out to be Moses and Elijah. Okay, these are two of the greatest figures from history. Moses and Elijah. And they are shining also because, folks, one day we're going to be like him. They spoke about Jesus' departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. And the disciples are seeing this and hearing this. And then, and they saw his glory, the two men standing with him were about to leave. As the men were leaving, Peter's like, uh, uh, we don't want them to go. This is so cool. Do you understand? We've got Moses. We've got Elijah. We've got Jesus. This is fantastic. We don't want them to leave, okay? And so Peter, not really knowing what he was saying, said, um, Lord, it's really good for us to be together like this. Let us build three shelters for you all, okay? We'll do a shelter for Moses, a shelter for Elijah, and a shelter for you, Jesus, because we love you and we, we think you're really great. Wrong thing to say. Why? What was, what's bad about that? He was behaving as if Jesus is one of the greats of history. He's not one of the greatest. He is absolutely unique. 
He is the only begotten of the Father. He is the one through whom all things were made. There's never been anybody else who is like Jesus in that way. So, God the Father spoke. While Peter was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid. Matthew says they were terrified. They weren't mildly discomforted or a little awkward feeling. They were terrified. The glory of God enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my Son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, they found only Jesus. And the disciples kept this to themselves and told no one what they'd seen. Yeah, because actually, Jesus told them not to tell. This isn't the time. Do you understand when we talk about Jesus, we're not talking about somebody who's really great. We're talking about God incarnate. God became a man so that he could die for you. So that he could take the punishment that you and I deserve. Not just the physical death on the cross, but the wrath of God poured out on him when the sinless one became sin for us so that we could become his righteousness. Jesus isn't one of the most important things in life. Jesus isn't just the most important thing in life. Jesus is life. The Apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's why a real Christian who's dying daily to self doesn't have to be afraid that somebody else might come along and kill me. I've told you before that as a teenager I had the opportunity to talk with a man who was known as Brother Andrew. He was a smuggler of Bibles into Eastern Europe when the governments in much of Europe would not allow the distribution of Scripture, because for some reason, wicked, wicked people find God's Word to be something that needs to be suppressed. And so, he would smuggle large quantities of Bibles and give them to believers. And I asked Brother Andrew, aren't you afraid you might get caught? He said, no, I've been caught. And I said, well, aren't you afraid they might imprison you and mistreat you? He said, no, they've done that. And I said, well, how do you deal with that? He said, I realize that God is in control, and they can't do anything beyond what God allows. And if I'm in jail, I know there are people there that I can witness to and that God wants me to speak to there, and that God will get me out of jail whenever it's time for me to get out, and that if they kill me, I go straight into the presence of God. That's why he wasn't afraid. When you're not afraid to die, then you won't be afraid to live. Anyone who tries to save his life will lose it. If it's like, no, I can't do that. I cannot go there. I'm just not wired for that. I'm not made for that. If you try to save your life, you will not be successful. Jesus says, whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But 
Whoever loses his life for Jesus' sake finds it. When you deny yourself, when you say no to sinful desires, you discover the joy of obedience. I didn't say the ease of obedience, I said the joy. So that people who know him rejoice even in the midst of suffering. Because the suffering we face in this life is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.